So about 300 years before Jesus arrived on this earth, uh, there was a conqueror, a ruler by the name of Alexander the Great. Uh, maybe you've heard that name, but he was, this, he was extending the Greek empire, and, and he was able to assemble an army that had not been assembled like that up until that time. Uh, there was nobody that could stand up against them. Every foe that they came across, they conquered, and they just kept on extending the empire and more and more and more and more until, until the, the, the generals on the front lines uh, reached the Himalaya mountains, and they looked at their map, and they're like, uh-oh, um, because the map at that time didn't go beyond there. Uh, they had literally marched to the end of the, of the world, at least their known world. And so they go back, they go back to uh, Alexander, and they say, uh, you know, we should really head back. We should go where, where we know things. And, and Alexander listened to their concerns, and then he said, uh, mediocre armies always stay where things are known, but great armies always march off the map. Alexander was not only the, the only conqueror to give those words or to give that command, march off the map. After he conquered death, and as he was about getting ready to assume his role on the throne of heaven, to reign over all things, uh, Jesus gave that same, those same marching orders to his followers, to his disciples. He said, you will be my witnesses. Where? You'll be my witnesses in, in Jerusalem, the city where they were. But you'll also be my, my witnesses in, in Judea, which was like the surrounding state. And you'll also be my witnesses in Samaria, which was the next state. And you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And the only way that Jesus could give those marching orders, the only way that he could say, you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth, was, in fact, if he was the Savior to the, all the way to the ends of the earth. And that's really uh, the message uh, that we see today in Isaiah uh, chapter 49. Uh, that we see Jesus is, is, is not just the Savior of, of some people, but he is the Savior of, of all the way uh, to the ends of the earth. Now, I understand that, that maybe uh, that, that drum roll message uh, which comes here, I mean, this, this all leads up to 49. I don't know if you heard me say this before, but the very last section of what I read is this, is that I will make you a light for the Gentiles... And that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Uh, that is really this, like I said, this drum roll worthy message that, that Isaiah leads up to. Like, whoa, that's, that's pretty something. But I don't, I don't know if that means a whole lot to us today. I don't know if, we, if you saw the theme, you know, before the service, if you saw that theme on the screen, you're like, oh, it got to the edge of your seat. I can't wait to hear what this is about uh, today. Uh, but it is a pretty fascinating truth, and, and we want to try to bring this home to us today. Uh, the way that if, if Isaiah chapter 49 uh, was just dropped on us in the, out of context, it we would maybe have a lot of questions about it. We'd maybe ask, well, who is this even talking about? 
we'd maybe wonder, who is the you? Where it says, I will make you a light uh, for the Gentiles. Is it God's Old Testament people? That's who Isaiah is writing to. And so is he talking to people of the Old Testament that you're going to be the light for the Gentiles? Or is he talking about New Testament people? He says, okay, eventually this message right now, if we're concentrated here in the Middle East, right now we're in Israel, but eventually the, the New Testament church, after the Savior comes, after this rescue plan occurs, then it's going to go out to the ends of the earth? Or is it talking, is the you Jesus himself? Where the Lord, the Heavenly Father, is saying to Jesus, I'm going to make you a light to the Gentiles. The answer uh, to that question is yes. Uh, very specifically for the Old Testament people, God did say, I want you to be a witness to everybody. Yeah, you maybe concentrate here, but there's a reason why I'm making you different than everybody else. I want people to notice you. And I went to them to say, well, what's, what's up with you guys? And then you, they, you get to share with them the message of a Savior. Or you can think all the way back, you know, the Old Testament people, if they would funnel their way back, what was their starting point? They often would go back to a guy by the name of Abraham. He's the father of the Old Testament people. And if you go back to Abraham, and, and Jesus gave him this promise that the Savior was going to come from his family, but... How big was that Savior? God told Abraham, through you, all nations, all nations on earth would be blessed. And so, yeah, it could be talking about the Old Testament people. You jump ahead to the New Testament. Uh, when we talk about how the message went out uh, to all the world, probably the, the guy that, that God employed the most to do that was a missionary uh, by the name of Paul. And when Paul went out on his first missionary journey with his buddy Barnabas, they got to a place and they said, hey, why are you talking to us? And, and what do Paul and Barnabas do? They quote this very verse. They go back and they say, well, just like Isaiah said, I will make you a light to the Gentiles and, and the, that the salvation goes to the ends of the earth. And yet if, if it weren't for if this, this promise that was made to Abraham and this proof of why they were doing what they were doing that, that Paul used really would mean nothing if these words, first of all, didn't apply to Jesus. These are primarily, these words are, are spoken between God the Father and God the Son. And, and, it's, and it's from that angle uh, that we really want to look at these words today. Okay, so, so somewhere way back in, in eternity, uh, through Isaiah's pen and through Isaiah's ears, we get to hear this conversation between the Father and the Son, where, where Jesus says, before I was born, the Lord called me. And from my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. This maybe dates me. I know it dates me. But do some of you remember this show? <laughs> the A-Team? Uh, for those of you who aren't laughing, yeah, it dates me. Um, it only ran for like four or five seasons, but it was formidable years for me. It was, it was my elementary school years. And so we would be playing A-Team at recess time, right? One of us would be face, 
One of us would be Crazy Murdoch. One of us would be Tough Mr. T. And then somebody would be the leader, and that's the guy in the middle there. His name was, he was the colonel. Uh, Hannibal was his name. And if you remember the shore, and if you don't, you can, you can Netflix it probably or YouTube it today. Uh, but at the end of every show, the leader would always have a, a he'd coin, he coined a phrase. I'd be impressed if anybody knows it. What is it? I love it when a plan comes together, right? <laughs> I love it when a plan comes together. You know, the more that we celebrate Christmas, the more I appreciate that that baby in the manger wasn't just born of a virgin who would die on a cross, who would rise again from the dead. I, I think we're so quick to, to, to look forward to everything that that baby would accomplish. Today, I'd encourage us to also appreciate as we look back before that baby was born that, that this was not an accident. You know, you, you look again at this verse, before I was born, the Lord commanded called me from my mother's womb. He has spoken my name. That, that in other words, Jesus was not an oops baby, right? He was not an accident. Oh, he wasn't planned for by, by Mary. He wasn't planned for by Joseph. But he was planned for by God. And, and that doesn't mean that there weren't, uh, you know, things that were trying to get in the way there were all these obstacles that tried to thwart or to threaten God's plan, uh, all the way from the Old Testament. I mean, you go back 1,500 years before Jesus, God's people were, were slaves in Egypt, and, and the king gave this edict that all baby boys have to be killed off. And, and it was a way to try to wipe out this promise that God had said to Abraham that all nations on our earth will be blessed through you, and yet God preserved the people. Or you jump ahead... Shortly before the time of Isaiah writes there, there's a, a, a kingdom from the north, the Assyrians, and they come in and they invade and they conquer the northern half of Israel, and yet God's promises, God's people still live. Or later on, shortly after uh, Isaiah, and it's really the, the people to whom Isaiah is writing, you know, there, there's these mighty Babylonians from the east, and they haul them off into captivity. And yet through it all, through all, God's plan stays intact. And, and it really shows a couple things about our Lord. It really shows that, A, wow, the wisdom of him, how he could orchestrate all this. But it also shows the commitment that he wasn't going to get deter, deterred from carrying out his plan that he had set from all eternity to rescue us, this rescue plan, just like the A-team would do. And you can almost hear God. God the Father looking down on his son when, when he's born and when he dies on the cross and when he, when he rises from the dead and just as he's about to ascend into heaven, you can almost hear the Father say, ah, I love it. I love it when a plan comes together. That's, that's the beautiful thing uh, that happens here in, in Isaiah 
of 49 that we're reminded of. And now, now it's not like that plan was always so evident, right? Sometimes it, it seemed like it was hidden. I mean, you look at some of those phrases down there at the bottom. It was in the, in the shadow of his hand he hid me. Or like a, a polished arrow in the quiver. It was, it was just there. Not everybody saw it. But at the right time, at the right time, God pulled that, his tool out, his weapon out to carry out his will. In fact, I actually, quite a while ago, I remember uh, reading a sermon on this text. And that was, that was the name of the sermon. That was how the pastor preached it, my secret weapon. Uh, that, that not everybody always knew God's plan. You couldn't always see God's plan in the Old Testament. But at just the right time, God sent his son, born a woman, born under law, to do what? To redeem, to redeem the world. And, and so you just have that, that beautiful thing here. Uh, but uh, it goes on here, uh, the way that Isaiah speaks. Not only is Jesus uh, God's secret weapon, God also gave his secret weapon weapons to use. He equipped him. Uh, to do this work, to, to rescue, to, be the, to carry out salvation uh, to the ends of the earth. And so you, you go on here, and so this is Jesus speaking again, and he says, he, has, he made my mouth like a sharpened sword. That's a pretty common picture uh, throughout the Bible, uh, where, where the, the words that come out of Jesus' mouth, sometimes you can even see an artist do this, they, they make the, this big sword uh, coming out of Jesus' mouth. That, that his words were sharp. And, and you see that. You see that being carried out in Jesus' life. How his words were used to cut down a lot of the false teachings that were so prevalent at the time. He cut down the message that, hey, you can be saved by your bloodline or instead of by what you believe. Or he, he, his words were able to cut down uh, these ideas that, that you can be saved by, by what you do if you, if you try to be a good person, or if you're at least better than someone else. Uh, he was able to, his words were able to slice through things that were big barriers uh, to salva- the message of salvation. He was able to slice through things like tradition, or he was able to, to pierce through people's pride and, and cut them to the heart. To the point that they were left there standing saying, you know what? I can't do this by myself. Left by myself, I would, I would eternally die, and, and so I need a Savior. Uh, that, that's what God's Word is meant to do. And, and, and you don't not only see that in Jesus' preaching, you, you see that in the way that he even talks with some of his other enemies. I mean, you, you go back to the devil. And, and that first battle that Jesus has with the devil, we, we heard in our, in our gospel lesson for today, you know, that, that John the Baptist was always pointing people to Jesus. Well, shortly after John baptized uh, Jesus, remember what Jesus did? He went out into the desert, and there the devil for 40 days is, is just attacking Jesus, one after another. He says, ah, Jesus, you know, instead of, instead of using your power for, your, for everybody else, why don't you just use it for your own self once? You know, just turn those stones into bread. Or, Jesus, you know, do you really think that your father has your back? Do you really think he has your best interest in mind? Do you th- can you really trust his word? Why don't you jump off this temple and see if he, he catches you like he said he would? Or, or, Jesus, do you really 
do you really want to have to suffer? Do you really want to carry out this rescue plan that your father has in store for you? Wouldn't it just be nice to live a life of luxury with all these riches? Just, just bow down to me and all these things uh, can be yours. And yet for every attack uh, that the devil came at Jesus, what did he do? He counterattacked him with the power of his word, that sharp sword. Now it's true. It's true that that sword didn't work on everybody. Some people were able to fend it off. And even some people that were close to Jesus, who should have been close to him. You think of some of the spiritual leaders in Jesus' day, some of the priests, some of the leaders, and they, they didn't buy this sword. They weren't cut down, they weren't cut to the heart by this sword of God's word, so much so to the point that they rejected Jesus and his word to the point that they actually had him crucified. And there is he, he is sta- sitting on that cross. You know, other people are walking by who, who rejected this sword of his word, and they mock and they jeer him. And then you have other times where Jesus' words seem to fall on deaf ears, even, even amongst his followers, even amongst his disciples, when you know, almost his whole ministry, they're like, okay, now? Now, Jesus, are you going to restore the earthly kingdom instead of seeing that he was all about establishing a spiritual kingdom? And as Jesus maybe saw his word fall on deaf ears or maybe not have the, the effect that he always wanted, he maybe thought, you know what, is it worth it? Uh, why did I bother? And Isaiah shares that, that conversation here where, where maybe the Lord said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing at all. But it's right there. It's right there that Isaiah starts the drum roll. And he starts this, okay, this is everything that Jesus has done. This is everything that he's thought. But now, now we have a switch in speakers. Now the Lord, who in this case is the Heavenly Father, Now the Lord speaks. The one who called Jesus from the time before he was born to be the Savior to the ends of the earth, the Lord who would honor his son, the Lord who would strengthen his son, and he comes to him and he says, it is no small thing. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles uh, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Why is this such a drumroll worthy ending of this conversation? Why is this such a climactic speech that the Lord gives? Because it, one, it, doesn't it really show how big Jesus is? If Jesus is maybe feeling like, oh, I've, I've worked in vain, this message reminds him, no, I want you to see how, how overarching your reach is. Uh, this week, I didn't watch them, but it's my understanding this week they had the Golden Globes uh, Awards on TV for all the actors and actresses. Right? There's a reason why they call it the Golden Globes, right, to show that how far their reach is. They don't say, okay, we're going to have the Golden Town Awards today 
or the Golden State Awards or the Golden Country Awards today, but it's the Golden Globes, you know, that, that we're able to affect the whole world. That's what the Lord is reminding Jesus of here. That you aren't just a local Savior. You are a global Savior. Uh, your reach can reach all the way to the ends of the earth. Uh, and, and that is such a climactic statement because there is nobody else who could do that. Uh, Jesus, the Lord is really reminding Jesus here, you are one of a kind Savior. You are the world Savior. And, and that's a reason for us to keep the lights on for all the world to see. You know, not just the little segments of our world, but for the whole world to see. And while that's significant for the whole world, this phrase is also very, really important for us and very climactic for us. And I don't know if we see ourselves in this section so much, but every, every time I preach, I, I ask the question, so what, right? I try to put myself in, in these chairs, and if, if I was preaching to me, I would say, so what? What, what difference does this make to you and to me? Uh, do you see yourself here? Okay, yeah, maybe I'm the ends of the earth. Maybe I'm the Gentile, but it's even clearer than that. If you go back to the very first verse, who's supposed to hear this conversation between the Father and the Son? It says this, it says, Listen to me, you islands. Listen to me, you distant nations. You and I are separated from Jesus by 2,000 years. You and I are separated from Isaiah by 2,700 years. You and I are separated from where Jesus lived and died and rose again by 7,200 miles. We are as, about as distant as distant can be. And yet, the Lord and our Savior wanted you to hear these words. Listen, distant nations. This is a light for the Gentiles that brings salvation to the very ends of the earth. By God's grace, you and I get to see this light shining in our lives today. It's only by God's grace that you and I get to hear this conversation. It's by, only by God's grace that we get to see that this rescue plan was for you and for me. To see that that, that Savior, that, that polished arrow that was hiding in that quiver for so many years was eventually shot and it reached its target. And its target was your heart. You could say it was a bullseye, right? The fact that you and I are here today hearing these words, that is what makes this such a, a drumroll-worthy message, such a personal message uh, for you and I today. And so let's do what the Lord says. Listen. Listen, distant nations, because this is proof that salvation has come to you. Amen. Uh, please stand as we confess our faith.